This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And what a difference a week makes. Last week, we discussed and celebrated a European and a Premier League victory. I think it was a 9-2 aggregate win to City. This week, we've been kicked out of our very own cup competition. Uh, the first time in, what's that, 25 years, I think. Uh, and we lost at home to the mighty Crystal Palace. So I think that was a nil-two aggregate this week. So to discuss that and much more, I've got three guests. Two of them are related to each other. And now let's see if you can guess which two are um, per many two from these three. The three are, welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. Welcome to Joe Doherty. Hi, Joe. Hi, Nigel. And to Dave Hodgson. Hello, Nigel. Listen, let's get Palace out of the way first, please. Um, Sarah, uh, we didn't score. They scored two. We had a man sent off. Uh, the ref came in for a bit of stick. It was a piss-poor performance all round. Discuss. What a lovely way of describing it, Nigel. It's hard to disagree with you, though. It was, I mean, occasionally we get these games with City, don't we, where they usually at home, I hasten to add, which is a question in its own right, um, where... You know, a combination of things not going right. We get annoyed about some of the refereeing decisions, sometimes with justification. Um, but the bottom line is we just don't play well enough to break them down. And, and these teams are good enough to play good football against us and score. And that's what they did. So, you know, it's not the first time we've seen a game and a result like that. Frustrating on the back of the brilliance of the performances against Chelsea and Liverpool in particular, and even the first half against Brighton last week when they were fantastic. Um, a little bit unexpected, but uh, you know, on an, on another level, if we're honest, we get these performances from City every now and again. The, the one observation I'd make is that in games like that, uh, the thing I feel City miss is what I'll loosely describe as spontaneity. So we're, we're, we're blessed with creativity all over the team. We've got very clear patterns of play. We've got a fantastic manager. 90% of games, that reaps dividends for us. But it feels to me sometimes in these games that what we really need is somebody to be spontaneous. And I don't think we see enough of it from City. 
Uh, and Help me understand, Sarah, that before I come on to the two lads, who, who may or may not be related to each other, um, the difference between creativity and spontaneity then, please. Just, just for our listeners who, who don't read The Guardian, just, just help them understand what, what you mean by that. Well, you can be creative within a structure. So Pep has a very clear structure and patterns of play. And clearly, the way we play relies on creativity, whether that's balls from De Bruyne, whether it's um, the, the even the creativity of the way we run off the ball. Spontaneity is almost where we break all the rules and do something that Pep hasn't asked us to do. And I do, I think that's partly what we're seeing a little bit with Grealish, where I'd say spontaneity as opposed to creativity were quite a big, it's quite a big ingredient in his impact at Villa. Um, I'm not, that's not a dig at Grealish. I think Grealish has made a perfectly good start to his City career and he'll only get better. But um, I think there are times when in games like that, we just need somebody to go on a mazy run, to ping one in the top corner, to try a pass that's not part of our patterns of play even if it's a long ball occasionally. And and I don't think we do enough of it to break down teams like Palace. Uh, Sarah says spontaneity, not creativity, Dave. I say we just need someone in games like this to put the ball in the back of the net, don't we? I think there's a case for that. And I think, you know, whenever you look at a game like this, where, well, two games like this where we failed to score, you know, you can make a case that having a presence up front who can be relied upon to finish or to maybe give some more orthodox hold-up play would have value, would change the way the game has been played. But that said, you know, we have players who are very capable of finishing and scoring goals, and we don't really want for creating chances. So I kind of feel that sometimes it's a case of, you know, some games, you know, we could, could have played Palace and put four or five past them. I think a lot of praise has to go to Palace for the fact that they knew they wouldn't let us settle in possession. They knew that they were not going to have all that much possession and were very constructive with it. But effectively, I think the issue was not so much that we didn't have someone there to put away the myriad chances we created. It was the fact we didn't respond well when they really sort of roughed us up, got into us in, in a way that you, you would want to see them do as a, you know, as a wayside at the Etihad. Um, so I kind of looked at that game and thought more the, response, the, the issue we had was our mental response was not strong enough. We did not sort of see their fight and come out to match it. We came out wanting to be, we maybe came out expecting a more sedate, more procedural game than we got. And in the end, we you know, didn't adapt ourselves to the fact we had a bit of a fight on our hands that day. And we didn't really you know, raise our level to match what Palace brought, brought to the table that day. They had some fantastic players, some fantastic individual performances in that team. And they kind of saw us coming a little bit, I felt. So where do you sit? Joe, do you, do you agree with Dave? Obviously, credit to Palace, and, and we'll, we'll come on to their manager for, for various reasons in a second as well. Um, do, you, do you agree with Dave, or, or do you see some flaws in City's performance? Uh, I think, I, think there's, uh, I agree with a bit of everything that's been said so far. I think Palace were very well set up. But my, my personal issue is we've seen teams do this to us a lot. And whilst the quality usually brings us through these games, it's very frustrating sometimes to not see a plan B in there. In the summer, I was quite critical about the fact we didn't sign a striker. And whilst, to be fair, in the big games this year so far, Pep has made me eat my words somewhat because we've looked better against teams who are perhaps our equals um, without one because we're, we're playing in a way that they're less used to defending against. But I really think sometimes in games like the one on Saturday, it really wouldn't hurt to have someone like 
you know, we were linked with Danny Ings, for example, in the summer. I'm not saying he's the answer to all the problems. God knows he definitely isn't. But um, I don't think it would kill to sometimes have someone like that off the bench and just shake things up a bit because it really felt like after about half an hour, you could see Palace knew what we were going to do. You could see what we were trying to do just didn't seem to be working. And we weren't changing it. And it felt very repetitive. I, I I completely agree with what Sarah said about spontaneity as well. If you look at, obviously I don't want to pick on him as well, but if you look at a lot of Grealish's highlight reels at Villa, there were moments like that goal he got at United a couple of years ago, where out of nowhere he's pinging it in the top corner. It's probably not what Smith had told him to do in that game, but he still went and did it. And I think that has made us suffer a bit. I think Palace would have really capped themselves if at some point out of nowhere we we'd just gone for a shot or tried to take an extra man on. Again, it's, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing and I'm not necessarily saying it would have helped us, but I do think that we were just missing a plan B, be that a player taking the game into their own a bit or having someone off the bench to change things up a bit. Dave? I think the one plan, it probably was, you know, one of the, it probably was plan A for a period of time under Guardiola, but something I feel we very much miss is the, the sort of play that we used to get out of Sterling and Sane, where you had a, a winger who would go properly wide, would stick you know, right out on the touchline, move defenders a little bit that way, be able to whip a ball in to have a winger pop up at the far post, which used to be a very key move in a lot of the... Um, what well, used to be a move you, you could see as try and force on a regular basis. De Bruyne are also... a Key, a key instigator of finding those balls out wide. Unfortunately, nowadays, it does seem like the, um, the impetus is to maybe cut in a bit more from both, you know, from both sides, of, you know, in terms of wingers. We don't really have anyone giving us that, that greater width. And it also, it's something we lose with um, having a right-footed left-back as Cancelo can't quite overlap and give the same width in the same way. Um, but because so much of this comes down the centre, it does become a lot easier for the defence to kind of fix their positions. And I feel that um, additional width that we had in previous seasons may have been, you know, given us a bit more of an opportunity against Palace because it would have made their defence have to move a little bit more and maybe vary the, uh, ve- you know, it would it would change the patterns of our play in a way that would make it a little bit more difficult for them to keep the positions they were able to. Sarah, can I just come back to this issue that we will keep coming back to, I'm sure, a week after week, particularly on a week where we didn't score a goal in, in two games and, and got knocked out of the cup competition and, sorry, our cup competition and lost at home in the league. It, it tends to focus the mind. There will be those City fans, um, I'm interested to know from this group, who will be saying, we absolutely need a, a, a striker. Um, Jesus is clearly happier playing wide. He's, he's done quite well out there. Um, he's no Aguero and we may come on to him for the reasons we'll all understand in a moment as well to wish him well uh, and therefore in certain games as Dave has indicated we do need a striker um, uh, that will mean one of those creative midfield players one of those uh, creativity players that you talk about or even spontaneity players possibly uh, will have to be dropped for those games and, and, and that causes its own question in itself so coming to the point wh- where do you sit on this we need a striker in January uh, are you in that camp or are you in the camp that says, look, we, we played without Aguero in most games last year and won the league. Uh, we're doing all right in lots of games this season. Let's just wait till the summer and see how it pans out. Are, are you a, a striker now as soon as possible or not that bothered? We can play anyway. Well, I, I'm definitely in the we need a striker camp and always have been. 
Um, I, I mean, Joe's right. To some extent, the performances against Chelsea and Liverpool made us all not quite eat our words, but reflect on the genius that is Guardiola and the performances he can get out of a team and the goals he can get out of a team that doesn't have a recognised striker. But, um, I, I, I mean, City know they need a striker. We wouldn't have had the debacle with Kane if City didn't think they needed a striker. Um unless the whole thing was made up, of course, who knows, to destabilising. Um, so, I, you know, I, and I, I, don't want, I don't want us to buy a striker just for the sake of it. I do want it to be the right player, whether that person is available in uh, January. I know that every City fan wants City to sign Haaland, and if he comes, I, I along with everyone else, will be delighted. But I think that I think there's too many games at the moment where we lack a clinical finisher for us to say that this way of playing can carry on ad infinitum without a quality striker who not only might bring the goals, but occasionally might bring the spontaneity, like a shot that's not blocked. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Joe, briefly, where, where do you sit on the, the striker now? Don't need them, players we're playing, scoring lots of goals as it is. I think it depends on um, on what's on what happens over the next few weeks, to be honest. Um that Palace game really made me feel like we could do with someone off the bench. Be that, uh, you know, be that going out and breaking the bank for a Haaland. Be that a short-term solution, getting someone like like Danny Ings or whoever. Obviously, that isn't going to happen now. Or even looking at seeing what Dilap can do off the bench. I'm, I'm a little sceptical that that would work straight away, but it's worth a try. Um if it looks like in January we are starting to pull a bit behind and this is a repeat problem, then I would say do what you can to get someone in. But I think realistically um, I'd be happy to wait till next summer and get Haaland on the cheap, well, or at least cheap by today's um, standards, um, because I'm pretty confident in a lot of games it won't be an issue. For example, this weekend, I'd still play that same uh, formation because I think most teams in the league really struggle against the false nine because they're not because I think in English football it's it's something we're not used to playing and a lot of teams aren't well drilled in it even though City have given you you now pretty much a year of it being the situation. Dave, finally, just on the striker situation. I mean, you know, as, as I've said before, I'm. I'm... I wasn't particularly in a we-must-have-a-striker camp last summer. I do think there's a lot of merit to the false nine situation. Um, I think the, the big issue we kind of run up against as a club is everyone comes, particularly to the Etihad and plays, with a very deep line. It's a sensible thing to do because you know that we've got players like De Bruyne, like Gundogan, who Foden even, you will find balls that can, can be clipped over the top and we've got players who can run onto them, you know, your Mahrez's, your Sterling's, etc. And, you know, that's quite a dangerous... Um, situation for them so quite naturally they respond in that way even if we get a you know big hulking number nine there's still going to be the problem of you know everyone trying you know trying to defend us quite close to goal which is going to you know is does create its own challenges I think we need someone with a bit of presence that allows us to mix it up a bit more to use a bit more wit but I think there's very very few players who could come in add that sort of um, dimension to our play whilst also being able to keep up with the style of football we play I mean, I think Haaland is the sort of player who could. I mean, Vlajevic at um, Fiorentina looks like a, a very good talent, but he's he's a young player. It's Serie A is always a bit of a 
Um, a bit of a difficult one to call how they do in the Premier League. And then um, there's a couple of players I've seen, you know, Nunes at Benfica as well. But really, there's there's quite a bit of gambling with any of these sort of you know less known commodities. Whereas I think Harlem would fit very well. Going to be very competitive to get him. But I don't think it's going to be the silver bullet everyone thinks it does. There's always going to be games like Crystal Palace where someone turns up well-organised, defends deep, is a little bit lucky, but also, you know, forces us to make defensive errors. We focused a lot on the attacking dimensions of the uh, of the performance at Palace, partly because we've not scored in the last two weeks. But, you know, there's also a little bit of a question that the defence have to ask that they kind of, you know, they kind of put it on themselves too. And I don't think all the problems get solved if we get, if we get a striker. Uh, unpopular view from me then, just uh, changing the subject slightly. Uh, Edison is not a good enough shot stopper for this side. And I think there's been a couple of games recently where... Could he not have saved that, Joe? I completely agree. I think that in terms of what we want to do, Edison is probably as good as anyone because nine times out of ten, we don't concede a lot of chances and it is crucial to have a goalkeeper that can start the attacks and particularly in a possession-based team like Guardiola's. But if you ask me, do I think he's capable of ever pulling out a performance like we saw Joe Hart do a few times, particularly, you know, that Tottenham game or that Dortmund game? I honestly think if Edison's between the sticks in a game like that, you could be on the end of a real tonking. I don't think his his shot-stopping ability is good enough. I think he's a good... He's not a bad presence. He's... He is very good with his feet, but in terms of being a really top shot stopper, I think he falls very short. And whenever recently I'm seeing these, you know, whenever we play someone else who's like another big team in the Premier League, they always do these combined 11s. How Edison seems to get into these teams ahead of the likes of Alisson and Mendy is frankly baffling to me. I think that his shot stopping leaves a lot to be desired. And... To be honest, he did so poorly for that goal that got them in front. That really set the tonic for the game because, again, hindsight's a beautiful thing. But if you go 1-0 down in the first 10 minutes to a team like that, you've really, you're really not doing yourself any favours. I, I came to the right person first. Clearly, Sarah, do, do, are you as enthusiastic as Joe is in your criticism of Edison as a shot stopper? No, I'm going to give you a different view. So I don't don't disagree with the perspective that he's definitely not the best shot stopper in, amongst the goalkeeping fraternity. But the reality is, in many, many games that City play, they don't face many shots. And the way that Edison can play and his passing ability and his ability to play as, in effect, the fifth player at the back is so crucial and fundamental to the way City play that... It's worth it's it's worth what he brings is far outweighs the odd game where he might have saved a shot and didn't and it might cost us points. So you can buy the best shot stopper in the world and they're going to be sitting twiddling their thumbs for 90% of 90% of games. So I'd rather have his his ability with his feet. You know, and he's not a bad goalkeeper. It's not as if, I mean it's not Claudio Bravo, is it? So uh, I, I'm definitely in the Edison camp for that what's reason. It, what's your problem with Cla- Claudio Bravo? <laughs> he, did rede- he redeemed himself in the end, didn't he? But uh, let's be honest, that was bloody hands, eyes behind your hands moments with him. <laughs> Dave, wait, wait, just briefly on, on, on the Edison, just finishes off on the Edison thing before, before we talk about Crystal Palace's current manager. Yeah, I think, I mean, personally, I'd, I'd be um, I, I pretty strongly disagree, to be honest. I think he's a, a fine shot stopper. 
what tends to happen with Edison where it does go a bit wrong, and I remember in that um, Tottenham Champions League quarterfinal, there were similar instances, that when we mess up in defence, when we get caught on the ball, etc., because Edison's positioning is generally quite advanced, he's generally on the riskier side as to where he positions himself, he's off, he often can find himself quite out of position when we lose the ball unexpectedly. And that's when you get you know, goals like Zaha, goals like Sons in the Champions League that time, you know, where he does sometimes run the gauntlet a little bit because he's at, he finds himself in these stranger positions. If you look at a keeper like Mendy for Chelsea, yeah, he might come across as a better shot stopper. A, as, as uh, rightly says, he probably faces more shots. And um, B, he also will take a much more conservative position to begin with. And if you want to play the style of football we do, if you want the passing around at the back, if you want your goalkeeper to almost play like a sort of 1990s sweeper in some situations, you're going to have to take those risks. So pretty much any goalkeeper you get to play in that sort of way is going to be a little bit um, more likely to concede those sort of shots just by the nature of the positions he has to take. All right. Well, listen, before we go to our break, I think we'll all wish, uh, we'll all agree that we want to wish Sergio Aguero all the best. Uh, obviously, came off as a sub with some chest pains. He's had some tests, look, so they found maybe an issue. So obviously, Sergio, uh, we wish you all the best with that. And uh, that goes with our blessing. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the current Crystal Palace manager. We'll talk about that useless Foden who can't take penalties. Uh, we'll look forward as well to uh, Stretford and uh, another European night against Bruges. And we'll do all of that straight after this break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Let's, listen, let's talk about Patrick Vieira. Uh, a lot was talked about before the game. Clearly... Uh, had his time at City, uh, clearly a lot of respect between the two managers. It has been talked about. He's a potential replacement for Pep when Pep eventually does go. Um, your your thoughts are, are about that then, Joe? Um, is is he the sort of person that you could see filling his shoes? Is he ready yet? Is Palace the right sort of stepping stone to come straight into City after Pep? I don't think it is, no. And I also think that whilst the club still have fairly good relationships with him, I think he'd have been more likely to take over from someone like Mancini had Mancini stayed on a lot longer. I feel like that ship somewhat sailed a bit um, in terms of him becoming a city manager one day. Um, I do think he's a very good, he's done a very good job so far. I think he, I've obviously, I've, I was reading, I was actually reading Shay Gibbons' autobiography the other day and it, it uh, gave a lot of insight into how important Vieira was at the club at a time when we were trying to win that first trophy. So he's clearly got a lot about him there. Um, but I, in terms of managing City, I don't think he's done anything yet to really open 
the, the biggest clubs in Europe's eyes. And I also think that the style of football that he's played at Palace so far, whilst you, you can't take anything away from it, Palace did exactly what they needed to do on Saturday. I really can't see the club going for someone like that. I think they'd be more inclined to get someone else in, like Guardiola in the long term, who'd want his teams to play the sort of attractive football that's going to attract fans from all over the globe, because that's obviously what the club's aim is. Dave, how do you, how do you see Vieira? You don't see him as a, a straight swap for, for Pep when he goes, presumably. No, I don't. I think it's a very easy story for the media to run. Um, don't get me wrong. I think um, you know he's one of the strongest characters probably of the Premier League era. He's a man with very little to prove. And by all accounts, from everything I've heard said about him, he has a remarkable lack of ego for a um, personality with the force that he had at Arsenal, you know, one of the all-time great Premier League captains. And he's got Palace into a well-drilled outfit. He's using the budget he's got very well. I think he's, you know, he's signed signed quite effectively. I think he's got some, you know, very good runway to turn Palace into a strong, stable, mid-table side. But he's not got the, you know, creative players that we've got at Manchester City. The whole way in which we set up is very different, partly because we are blessed with the players we have. I don't think he would naturally come in and um, be a in any way a continuity candidate after um, after Guardiola leaves. And in turn, I don't think you know it's necessarily the case that there's any other reason that you would compare his playing style and Pep's playing style than the fact that he was at Manchester City for a time. You know, if you look at coaches around Europe, you look at the likes of Nagelsmann, um, you know, coaches like that who play that more attacking football. You know, they're much more natural fits to what we do, and I don't, I don't think it's anything more than media talk about about Vieira, to be honest. Um, Sarah, feel free to, to talk about Vieira, or if you think it, enough has been said. I'm keen for you just to pick up on the point that you touched on earlier uh, before we move on, which is about why you think we may be better away from the Etihad, or, or picking up on that point. I think uh, Stato Paul Denby put a tweet out uh, when I asked for any questions, and, and he sort of made this point that and actually, we uh, we seem to be playing better away from the Etihad than at home. You, you got a view on that and on that, why that might be? I mean, I, I it's hard, isn't it? Because you, we could come up with all sorts of theories, and and I wouldn't say with any confidence that I know them to be true. And I do, I do think that the atmosphere at the Etihad is an is an issue on occasions. But then they're not. We're not the only team that suffers from the library moments during uh, games it's quite often I mean you know at Brighton last week there was only the City fans chanting we all know the famous myths about the Anfield atmosphere which is silent for 88 minutes other than at the beginning and end of a game so it's not that's not a unique challenge to City so I, I do wonder a little bit about the atmosphere but I think predominantly it's because we've created such an aura around how we can decimate teams and score ridiculous numbers of goals at home predominantly, that it, it's very rare we get a team that comes to the Etihad and wants to take us on in a game. And so I think the problems are that we're constantly facing teams that are set up defensively. And at the moment, we haven't got enough options to guarantee that we'll always break that down. Before, I'm, I'm going to ask Dave just to quickly review West Ham. It seems a, a long time ago in the Cup and uh, Foden's missed penalty and, and that game generally, we just touched on that. But before I do that, Joe, will you just pick up on the KDB issue? Because I think it is starting to potentially become a bit of an issue now. I know he was injured. He's come back. He is not the force he was, getting a lot of sort of negative 
reviews and, and, and people concerned about his form and we've seen the best of him and all that. Do you, do you have a view on that? Do you think uh, people will be sort of eating their words in a couple of weeks' time when he comes good again? Or do you think maybe we have seen the best of him? Well, I really hope we're eating our words. I do think, I don't think he's done at all. Um, but I think um, what Sarah touched on about the spontaneity, De Bru- the way De Bruyne is playing at the moment, I think comes into that because he was that man for a long time. And I hope, hopefully again, he will be who could just pick a ball out of nowhere that no one else was capable of doing and no one can see coming. Right now, a lot of the things he's risking aren't coming off and it's making him become a bit more repressed in his play, I think. He's he's not trying as much. And to be honest, a De Bruyne on form on Saturday could make that a very different game. All it takes is one whipped-in ball that no one's expecting and we're, we're, we're level or we're ahead. Um, Obviously, I think he's been somewhat papering over the cracks in recent weeks because his stats haven't been too bad. He's obviously got a couple of goals, um, got quite a good goal at uh, against Burnley, and, and he scored at Anfield. But I thought he was—I think he was very poor on Saturday, and he's been—he's um, been pretty poor in some of the better games as well. Like, obviously, we all rave about how good that game at Chelsea was. I thought De Bruyne was pretty poor in that as well, to be honest. And a lot of what we did that was good didn't come through him. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I just hope that in a couple of weeks he's a bit more up to speed and we're all eating our words a bit about him. But I, I can't really offer a suggestion on why this is happening. Um, I just think perhaps he had a bit of a rough end to last season going into the Euros and it must have affected him. Uh, Dave, to just touch on, on KDB quickly, but I'm keen for you to kind of give us your quick resume on on the West Ham game in the Manchester City Cup and obviously Foden, that useless bloke Foden who can't take a penalty as well. Maybe you could just touch on your thoughts on that as well. Sure. I suppose very briefly on De Bruyne, the one thing I do sometimes wonder is we've changed our midfield quite a bit this year. You know, he's playing with Bernardo now rather than Gundogan. I mean, Bernardo has probably been our biggest success story of the season. But, you know, is that coming at a cost to De Bruyne? Is it the case that with Gundogan alongside him, maybe doing a bit more of the you know, deeper lying work, that's going to be better for De Bruyne. You know, you, you never quite know how these dynamics, um, you know, quite what you lose when you gain by bringing another player in. So that will be interesting to see whether Gundogan's return to fitness improves that for De Bruyne at all. Um, I suppose coming on, to, coming on to West Ham, I mean, I, I've got to say, I kind of if, if one team had to knock us out, I'm quite glad it's them. There does seem to be this... Um, Curious amity between Manchester City and West Ham fans nowadays, and you know, by all accounts, I, I wasn't—I must admit, I wasn't there. But it did sound like a fairly friendly atmosphere, and generally speaking, there's very little hard feelings about the fact we've been knocked out. Um, you know, as, as I've said on this before, I'm a bit of a Carabao Cup spect- uh, skeptic. I'm not necessarily convinced that this is something we should be throwing huge amounts of time at. I'm always happy to see us play players like uh, Cole Palmer to get get them the game time. And, you know, ideally I'd like to see us use the Carabao Cup more in future seasons to springboard some of the young talents to get them, you know, the likes of Delap, the likes of um, the young left back whose name has slipped my mind, um, Wilson Esperand. Um, you know, players like him, I'd quite like to see them get more, um, more game time in these competitions. And, you know, when you get a game like that against West Ham, who are, you know, having a very good season, good team, you know, silverware would be you know a big deal for them you play them away from home you draw nil nil you know penalties are a bit of a lottery there it's I don't think it's a disgraceful result at all it's a shame we didn't score but you know if it had to be anyone it's them and now we can focus on other things 
let's focus on other things then, Sarah. And uh, it's actually becomes quite quite a big week this week, doesn't it? After the, the the week we've just had, it kind of brings it into focus. You know, you you kind of we get through against West Ham, and, and you know we win that because we always do, and then we can obviously going to beat Crystal Palace, and it's kind of then into the normality of Europe midweek and Stratford at the weekend. And but actually, having lost those two, and, and you know, I know it was on penalties, but we did get knocked out. Uh, suddenly, we've got Bruges. Um, at home, uh, and then of course Stratford, and, and oh, in a derby, any, anything could happen. So it be, it does become quite an important week all of a sudden. It, 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 the way you set that up, Nigel, you're making me think. My God, I don't want to contemplate that we lose to Bruges and then we lose to you know who on Saturday. What a what a fortnight that would be. Um, yeah, I mean, usually when City have a little a little blip, we usually see a reaction. I mean, the first priority is to make sure we beat Club Bruges comprehensively so that we can be reasonably relaxed about going through to the... I don't think we qualify on Thursday, but we'll certainly... Uh, Wednesday, sorry, but I think we'll be virtually there. So that that's the first thing to tick off. Um, you know... <laughs> I mean, uh, how how we want a repeat of the last home performance at um, at the Swamp um, in terms of the outcome on Saturday? Look, I just I I want us to win. I don't care about saving Ollie's job. I want us to win. I want us to batter them. I want us to humiliate them. So if that's the outcome from this week, you'll have a you'll have a very enjoyable podcast next week, Nigel. <laughs> looking forward to already, Joe. I saw you nodding there, so battering them. I think you're you're looking forward to battering them as well, are you? Is that I, I know we all have to moderate our language these days, so I do apologise, but not when I'm not when I'm talking about them. <laughs> Bring, bring it on as far as I'm concerned, Sarah. <laughs> Battering's fine as far as I'm concerned. Joe, oh, Joe, go on. Battering them, yeah? Happy with that? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, we're so overdue a win against that lot in the league. How how we haven't done it for the last two years? Because I know I know they seem to have always had our number a bit in those games, but they're really very... They're pony at the minute. Apart from Ronaldo up top, they... Yeah, I really don't see if, as long as we play the same team we have in recent weeks and get at that midfield, because I think their midfield is seriously poor and I think their defence can be got at as well. I can't see anything other than us getting three points. But like you said, it's it's a derby and I, I hate wanting to predict them. I just want to get there on the day and see what happens. And obviously if we win, it's one of the big days of the year. And if we lose, well, I only live around the corner, so and get out easy enough but um I, I am um I'm just hoping that to be honest a part of me doesn't want um someone a bit different to do the business on Wednesday if you like say Sterling and that makes Pep think oh let's give him a game it'll surprise them on Saturday absolutely not you've got to stick with what's worked in recent weeks and I think that if we play that team with the false nine and play the way we did at Chelsea and at Anfield I think we can get three points against them. Just to remind you, I think we'll be forced to make a change at the back, of course, having been sent off. I suspect that we'll have to bring John Stones in or someone. I suppose won't be for the port, of course. I guess it's, that's the natural replacement. I can't see him bringing Ake in at that. At I that think point. Stones playing is probably for the best, to be honest, because I think him and Diaz, have, we know they've got a good partnership and understanding. And I don't know if this really matters. I just I feel like Stones will be more up for that game than Laporte. Not that Laporte wouldn't be, but Stones really seems to get what it means to beat United. So I would like to see him in there anyway. Uh, how do you see the next week coming up over these two fixtures then, Dave? 
You worried? I mean, something's gone wrong if we uh, if we don't do uh, if we don't get a win against Bruges at home. I mean, it could happen. I I think they, you know, really did look overwhelmed by us when we played them a couple of weeks back. So I, I you would hope that we'd be able to navigate that one relatively smoothly. <clears throat> the derby is a curious one because I mean, usually I try and talk at this point about how the other team play and what their style is. I still can't tell you what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's style of play is. You know, it, it's it seems to be some curious hybrid of lots of you know, lots of running around from fairly limited midfield players, a striker who is one of the best players of all time, but doesn't really want, seem to want to do any running at all, and defenders with a fantastic capacity to um, to find themselves out of position. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a very very odd team that can be capable of doing some quite dangerous things, but also being you know, we could really turn the screw, particularly if we can exploit some of their positional weaknesses at the back and, you know, bluntly what I call a relative lack of talent in centre midfield. I think the concern for me would be if they were to play players like Marshall, Rashford, who get in behind us with pace, Greenwood, and, you know, effectively do what they've done the last couple of seasons, which is use quick you know, quick attackers who can come either down the wing or, or through the middle and exploit a relative lack of pace in our back line. In a weird way, I kind of hope Ronaldo starts. I do think that, you know, I'd much rather be up against someone like him than Martial or Rashford who've given us the runaround in previous years just by that, that pure pace. I think maybe we'll be helped a little bit by the fact that Solskjaer is under pressure. He might feel he has to play his strongest team rather than the team that's best suited to play us. I'd like to think we win it. We should win it. But, you know, that game always has the capacity to throw up some, some big surprises. So before we go, let's have your predictions then. I know you enjoy this bit, your favourite bit, Sarah. Big smile on your face. Um, <clears throat> maybe your, one of your cousins might want to join as well, if indeed you, it is you who's related to these two. I don't know. Um, you can work it out yourself. Um, so Sarah, tell me, uh, Bruges, I guess you're going to put down as a win, hopefully for City. Would that be fair? I am going to go 3-0 against Bruges. And what about against Stratford at the Swan? <laughs> with with, with the, my... Uh, Always present optimism, Nigel. I'm going to go 3-1 City. Dave Hodgson, please. I think it's going to be 2-0 against Bruges. And I think think it's going to be 2-1 Old Trafford to us. And finally, your cousin Joe Doherty. Been hiding that for years. Uh, I think we'll win 3-1 against Bruges at home. And um, 1-0 to us at United. But I, I really don't know. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you to my three guests, to Sarah Messenger, to Dave Hodgson and to Joe Doherty. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's Ryan Reynolds and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.